0: Welcome to the Axiom Church Podcast. These are talks and conversations about the centrality of Jesus and his kingdom from our community. Enjoy. Real good. Real good. So, hey... I wanted to, I, I can't promise everybody's going to see this the, the whiteboard, so I apologize. I'll do the best I can. I, in fact, this is like the third time in nine years that I've ever even used a whiteboard. I don't like to do it. Um, a, because I'm self-conscious of my handwriting. B, I'm self-conscious that not everybody can read my handwriting. Uh, and, and it's just, it starts to feel classroom. So if it feels a little classroom today, for, forgive me. Uh, my hope is, though, to just kind of like open up my mind a little bit and let you guys kind of see into like how we got started and how we got to where we are today. And this feels for me a lot like some of the meetings I've had with you guys. When you guys first showed up at and we got together, maybe we got coffee and I probably had a napkin, not a whiteboard. And I was like, all right, here's how it works. There's this circle here and there's this line over here and you're somewhere there. It's going to feel a little bit like that. But my hope is that you'd walk away with uh, a little bit more of an understanding and a a deeper appreciation for Jesus and a greater longing for life with God and one another, okay? And so that's what continues to cultivate in me at least over these nine years, so I feel pretty good about what we've been doing. Now, a little history for us. It's not massive. Uh, We are nine years old. That being said, I think it's like 60-65% of churches don't make it past the three to four-year marker, okay? And to make it past eight years is is even more significant. In fact, once you've made it past eight years, they kind of say, well, you're probably going to be around for maybe 50 to 100 years. So that's kind of cool. Um, So maybe a few of the young ones here are going to be preaching one day, or I don't know. We'll figure it out together, though, okay? Now, I probably won't be here 50 years from now, maybe. But... If I am, I hope to see all of you. Okay. All right. August 4th, 2013 was our first Sunday we shared together publicly. That was basically the first Sunday of August in 2013. But our journey began before that. It was 2011 when I began to think about Uh, What was the shaping vision and sort of philosophy for how we were going to help people experience a deep union with God and a deep love for the city? And so we spent a lot of time just uh, praying and dreaming together about what is this vision and how do we we talk about it, what's it going to look like, and what are the ins and outs of how this will actually practically work itself out. And at that time, I had the real blessing of also being a part, I was graduating from GCU and I was taking a, a course uh, with Professor Lampka. and he, the ch- task that he gave me, gave the whole class was, hey, I want everybody here to, during this semester, you're going to create a philosophy of ministry. I was like, perfect, because I'm planting a church. And so I asked, him, I said, is it okay if I, if I take this coursework to help me sort of tease out the ins and outs in the classroom, could kind of help me. Um, he goes, absolutely, and so it's, it's there that I really worked it out, um, was with him, and also I was a part of a kind of pastor's hangout where I was trying to learn from some other pastors, and I'd been hanging out and getting some coaching by a guy named Justin Anderson, who was the pastor at that time of uh, Praxis, and we were having a lot of conversations about relational dynamics. And our philosophy of relationships, in, in specifically in, in, in regards to a person's capacity, and in terms of their security, like how much can I actually connect with others and with God, and how do we sort of t- tease that out? Okay, and then after kind of working through that, and I'll, I'll dialogue or I'll, I'll chart here a little bit of that, um, Copper Hills Church. Uh, then said, okay, I think you're ready. And it was 2000, so that was 2011, 2012. Um, they sent us off in May of 2012. I'm just curious, and I don't know if anybody is here from Copper Hills Church from May of 2012 when they sent us off. Okay, one, and I think there's a, two, and there's, there might be a few back in the in serving in the kids area. So <clears throat> we got sent off by mom and dad. It was amazing and terrifying, all at once and they had a big baby shower for us and like you're gonna need you know a pulpit or something and a TV and I don't know we got stuff remember that yeah that was fun Um, and they they kicked us out and that was great and thankfully they helped pay the bills for like three years they really did so they sort of kicked us out but we were still we were still pulling the dough for mom and dad if I'm being honest so that's just real, okay? In church planning. it's very expensive. Um, so, so that was all happening. And as we're think, as I'm teasing out this relational dynamic, and I'm in this class, and I'm in with these people, and we're getting sent out. Uh, I we've established a core team now. At this time, we a group of people that are say, hey, I'm asking you guys to go to commit two years of your life minimum to being all in at Axiom and helping get this church launched. After two years, you can peace out, you can whatever, we'd prefer it if you'd stick around, but for two years, you're all in. And I think at that time we had about 15, 16 people that were fully committed, and they were, they were practicing the rhythms, they were serving in some area, uh, they were showing up on Sunday, they were giving of their resources and their talents, and so, and so that they, they were all in, and we spent a lot of time together in our home. And in fact, we started in our home, Uh, me and my wife's first home she bought it by the way because I was in school and she was working at the school I was at so she was providing for me which was thank you for that yeah and and then and then the second I graduated she quit her job and we started making babies and it was great so Here's at the core of this relational dynamic piece, though, is that every single person is embedded with a deep need for intimacy, period. We are all hardwired for relationship. And at the center of who you are, that's that circle, that's your center, okay, Um, is this longing and need for intimacy. When I say intimacy, I'm not just talking about smooching. I'm talking about a being known and being known. I'm talking about a nakedness and an unashamedness, okay? And a lot of us find that appropriately in our spouses. But there's also the New Testament talks about that relationship between the spouses is a mystery because it also kind of is a picture of God's relationship with the church. And so there's a, there's a intimacy that takes place between you and God here that is deeply core to who you are. In fact i would go as far to say that everything that you're after everything that you're participating in is in some way in service to that need now you might be misinterpreting that for all sorts of other needs but those needs rarely fulfill this deep core relational need and we have this deep core relational need because god is at his core deeply relational he here's a true statement god really 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 likes you he does it's not just that he loves you and he gave his life up for you he really 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 likes you so much so that he's embedded in your personhood a capacity that goes far beyond what you've probably experienced to this moment maybe in moments a an availability, a capacity for union. And so we call this, just here at and we started talking about how do we, how do we define this inner space? This, and I'm just going to say intimate for now, okay? And you're not going to be able to read it because that's a small circle and it's even smaller there. But that says intimate, okay? You have that, that naked and ashamed space. And here's the truth. That inner space can really only, truthfully, I, and, and psychologists talk about this. You can look this up, by the way. Um, that there's in, in all reality you can probably only experience this kind of relational intimacy with maybe two or three people and and that's just kind of our capacities okay and, and and so us and god and then maybe like your spouse okay that's just real now you might be saying well i don't know me and my kids and my kids and, but i'm telling you that at that deep naked and unashamed level that, that core level, it's really the spaces to capture you and God. And our, our responsibility as a church was to how do we help you form a deep and intimate relationship with Jesus? What kind of spaces, environments, and opportunities are we creating for you to pour water on this? How are we expanding the room for you to enter into that? And again, we'll talk a little bit about that, okay? But we also recognize that to core to to the relational dynamic is not just the deep and intimate relationships, but it's also, there's a personal dynamic. This is a, a little bit wider and slightly more porous section of relationships in your life, where you have that deep and intimate relationship with Jesus but you also have a need, a core need of sorts, a a personal need to be in community in a personal way with others, okay? And your capacity there, and again, everybody's, this is not a science when we come to the numbers here, but I'm just gonna put a number on it. I'm gonna say about four to 20, that you have a relational sphere in your life of people, these are friends, maybe family members, where you are in constant communion with them of some kind, and in this space, what we recognize in this space is that, also, that it's holding within it is also this space. So what I mean by that is the uniqueness of this outer ring here, your, your social dimension where there's actual personhood taking place. It's not all transaction, okay? There's, there's life sharing here. Is that that life shape sharing is vital for helping you form your relationship at a core level with Jesus okay? It, it, it's, it's necessary for that. In fact, as this circle gets bigger, you're going to recognize that that intimate relationship with Jesus is connected to all of it. That's why it's inside, okay? Just, I just want you to understand that. So you have that intimate space. You have this personal dynamic space as well. This, we, we're reaching towards others. We're, we're outward focused. We, we care about our friends, you know, all of that. Then we have this other space. We'll call it just a social and communal space. And it is, again, even more so, increasingly porous. And I'm just going to put a number here. Again, not science, 21 to 200. That your relational capacity taps out somewhere between 21 and 200. That for... Now, how how many of you have... this, This will be fun. How many of you have... Is it on Instagram? Is it followers or friends? The followers. Okay. We'll, we'll call them friends. How many of you have more than 200 friends on Instagram? Okay. A lot of I do. I think I've got like 700. And I promise you, I promise you I don't know more than 200 of them. I really don't. I might have met them once. But if they were to walk in the room today, I'd be like, nice to meet you. I'm Gavin. And now, that might just talk about how shallow I am. I don't know. But my hope is, and this is that you understand that just by design, we are not built for the city, okay? You're built for the living room. You're built for communal spaces. But part of our relational dynamic is incorporated in this larger community. That's why we gather here on Sundays, okay? And beyond this, and it won't get another... I'm not going to put another line, but we're just going to call this... You could say public, I guess. That's, I just can't think of a better word. Society, culture. And again, it's more porous because this sphere of this deeper relationship is your connection to what's out here and it's also your connection to that inner space here, okay? Now all of you heady folks in the room are already breaking this apart and you're thinking of other things. Put that down, hear what I'm saying you have a deep need for relationship okay and you try to fulfill that need of relationship in multiple categories of your life but unless this core place with god the one who created you with the need for relationship is activated we're going to be missing out to some degree okay and so now as i thought about these three spaces these three primary spaces we began to say okay so what does it mean for axiom in each of these what are the convictions behind them beyond just the fact that we are deep, deep created for relationship. One is that at the center, I wanted to ask him, and this is just what was going on in my head, so forgive me as it comes out. I wanted to be radically committed to Jesus. He was the most tangible, accessible form that we get to experience God in. Period. He is. Now, I know some people want to say, well, no, it's actually nature or the Bible or something else, but all of that's pointing to Jesus. And so I wanted a radically committed relationship to Jesus. He would be the center of everything. His teachings above and before anything. We were going to take our church cues, not from strategic plans, not from corporate pastors, but from radical first century, outside of the Roman Empire, Jesus of Nazareth. Because I wanted... At the end of the day, I wanted revolutionary Christians. I don't want American Christians. I don't want want social Christians. I don't want fundamentalist Christians. I don't want white Jesus or black Jesus. I want Jesus of the first century, period. And I hope that at the center, that's who we're helping you see. Now, we experience the radical first century Jesus in the diversity that we have right here. And and the diversity that we see as we move outward. And that's why Jesus never kept it just to him, Peter, James, and John. He wasn't stuck there. Okay? So I'm thinking through all this, let's give the misfit Jesus the center. Let's let him speak for us. And let's learn to love people who are as, as misfit and undesirable as he was. And so we started talking about this idea of having a heart for the unlikely, people that weren't likely to show up or likely to be around or probably didn't fit in. That was our thinking, okay? So secondly, we wanted, so we wanted radical commitment to Jesus and we wanted practices and vehicles for helping people with that, but we also wanted to, have, to be as committed to Jesus as we are to one another. Our commitment to one another need to be a reflection of our commitment to Christ. And, and I need others to experience Jesus. That's, that's it. If you think you can experience Jesus without others, sorry, that's not, rea- that's not real. God didn't design you that way. You can experience part of Jesus. You can experience different, even uh, types of relationships with Jesus, but to have intimate union with Christ requires other people. It does. It does, and so we looked around the room. And we thought, "Well, who's here? Who's in the room?" And at that time, we had a lot of baristas, and we had a lot of musicians. Serious? That's some, some college students. Uh, one hunter. He didn't make it very long. Um, no, it, it, but the room wasn't. It wasn't quite representative yet of the uniqueness of God's people. And so we had to think about what does this space look like for us. And and I believe that our Axiom community groups, this is what we created, at that time we called them missional communities, represented this space. That there's a life on life in direct support of intimacy with Jesus, but also directly linked to our connection to outsiders, and our connection to other people who weren't on, maybe in the room or maybe who weren't in this community group. And, and, but we're going we're gonna to tease it out with them. And then, of course, our heart for the unlikely, which is this broader, more inclusive space. And so now this pattern also shows up for Christ. We see in Luke, uh, or actually we'll start in John. We see in John, verse 13, Jesus says this. This is, I think, what I preached our first sermon on. A new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so that you may must love one another. And by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. And so even embedded here is a dynamic of of, of sort of these stages of relationship or spaces of capacity and security. Now, I say capacity and security, we could just leave that up for a little bit because some of you are really good at this. You love the, the one or two folks, hangouts, sipping whiskey on your porch, right? You can do that really well. Some of you love this space. We're gonna cook a meal, we're gonna hang out, the kids are gonna fart and it's gonna be great. Some of you love this big space. It's the party. It's the celebration. And some of you like it because you can disappear. And some of you like it because you can, I don't know, not disappear. <laughs> but but we're, on, we're different, right? How many of you just want to have a one-on-one with me in my office? A couple of you want to hang out. How many of you far prefer just passing the peace on Sunday morning? Okay, maybe those are bad analogies. I don't know. <coughs> How many of you would rather be home sleeping? (laughs) Oh, I shouldn't have asked. (laughs) But we're wired differently. And so so as we developed a thing, all these things support our relationship with Jesus, but we said we need to have a vehicle for each of these spaces to help people be relationally whole, okay? And to be healthy, healthy in the midst of this loving one another, loving Christ and being a witness to the world. Uh, we, we need spaces for that, okay? And so we created chord groups which were meant for, in, for developing intimacy with Jesus. And it wasn't just that you would get together with two or three others. It's that you would get together with two or three others and then you would go daily and practice the, the readings and the virtues on your own with God. You designated personal time with God in your life. And then our community groups were going to, not only help us do formational activities like Bible study or contemplation or reading or um, prayer or worship, whatever it is, but they're also going to have activities, because they're connected to that are outward focused. Okay? They're inclusive. So we, our accent communities throw parties. Um, we say, let's do things in the front yard instead of the backyard. We, we adopted social spheres. Okay? So all of these things are things that we did. Okay? And so I'm getting too caught up in the weeds here. But Jesus did this. In in, in Luke 5, 16, he says, but he he would often withdraw to be alone with the Father. The intimacy with God was paramount, but he also had close friends. Peter, James, and Paul, they were invited to the transfiguration, right? They were invited for the raising of Jairus' daughter. They They were there at the Garden of Gethsemane, but he had this this intimate connection with a couple of other people and of course his apostles as well. But then he had relationships out here and his relationships out here were just wild. I mean, who were the kind of people that Jesus was hanging out with? Just shout it out. Tax collector, prostitute, part... Yep, all of it. The whole spectrum, Jesus was hanging out with, so much so that he was at times being confused of being a drunkard, he was being confused of mingling with the unclean. All of these issues came up because Jesus was, had a heart for those, for everyone, for everyone. And because he had a heart for everyone, he didn't fit really well in religious circles. And that's kind of still true today, unfortunately. That, that churches that are really have a heart for everyone th- don't get a lot of uh, the attention that I think they deserve. Uh, we tend to, to look at models that reflect the best of our culture, not the best of our kingdom. And, and, and I just want to say, I want misfit intimacy with Jesus to inform everything you do. Okay? So... We, we needed language for this. How many of you have heard us use it on Sundays? Experience Jesus. Love Peoria. Be together. So we're talking about these categories. We want a tangible ways to talk. We used to use other language. For insider language, we say formation, mission, celebration. These are primary practices. Everything we do here falls into one of those categories. Sometimes someone comes come off and say, hey, I want to do this thing. I say, well, is it, is it formational? Is it, is it missional? Is it, is it celebration? Because celebration is very inclusive. Formation is all about developing your intimacy with God and one another, okay? So these have became helpful ways of talking about life with God uh, and one another, okay? Now, we can get really... Lopsided as a church and we can become a group that only does Sundays or we can become a group that only does our Axiom communities or we can get real crazy and say I just have my own personal relationship with Jesus and that's good enough for me. What I'm saying is you need all of it to, to be healthy and to be whole. You're not gonna, I'm not saying you're going to like all of it. Your capacity is going to be stretched in some of this. That's real. But the ultimate goal, the ultimate goal is to have deep friendship with God. And I'm saying friendship because I think we can have a relationship with Jesus that's a teacher. And that's good. We need that. There's a moment for that because we need to be informed. We need the knowledge that he has. Some of us define a relationship with him as a savior, and that's good. But the problem there is if we only stay there, it ends up becoming a little bit transactional. We, we need a relationship with Jesus as Lord, right? Because of his power and, and, and our obedience and our walking out our faith. And In fact, I would say even our becoming is caught up in that statement. But as you look at the scriptures, eventually the language that Jesus uses... He says, I want to be friends. In John 15, 15, he says this, no longer, okay, there's a progression, there's a maturing here, no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I've called you friends. For everything that I learned from my father, I have made known to you. And there's this entanglement of intimacy between friendship and being known here that pops up and so wherever you're at here the goal is that your relationship with Jesus is moving towards moving towards excuse me as I fix this because I don't know how to do this apparently I should have practiced this part Jesus desires that our relationship with him grows into an intimate friendship. God really, really, really likes you. And if your relationship with God is one of performing for him, or just trying to get the job done, that's okay. That's, that God meets us there. But he moves us into that intimate union where you are going to be walking with him in eternity and that's really good news so whatever you heard today I hope you heard that that our misfit radical God that we all get wrong myself included all the time at the end of the day what he longs for is a deep and intimate relationship with you you don't have to be there right now but the opportunity to go there is always before us. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, we ask that you would help us in this journey, this movement of intimacy with you, that we would move from knowing in our heads to knowing in our hearts, that we would move from saying all the right things about what we believe in to living it out, that we would move from um, the person that we have become in our distance to the person that you made us to be in our intimacy with you. And then increasingly would that person be the one that shows up before others and before the world. And as that person shows up, might the world begin to see you, Christ, the most accessible one, the one that's always at hand. Help us in that. In Jesus' name, amen.